Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back to Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason. I'm a guy with medium well recovery. And I'm Billy. I'm also a person in recovery. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, the impact that all this staying at home is having on people. Maybe a little bit of our Facebook posting has gone up and, and somewhat our Facebook arguing too. Um, looking at the groups that have decided that we're not allowed to advertise for in-person meetings anymore. Um on Facebook and and how we feel about that. And also, you know, people's principles, maybe not coming out or shining through so much and and a little bit of their self-righteousness or their attack, their, their willingness to attack other people for having different opinions. And maybe we're kind of forcing our right on others. Um, Yeah. And how do we apply our values in a time like this? You know, how do we put the different values to our selves and our communities. Yeah. And ultimately, is there an ethically right answer or are both answers, you know, have their own version of right? Um, And so that's where we're going to go with this today. So here we go. All right. So first, we're going to head over to the poll we did on Twitter. Um, And so we asked, we said, we're not judging. We're just curious, you know, are you living in total isolation right now as in a self-quarantine? Are you living your complete normal life as in I'm not worried about the coronavirus. I'm just out here doing whatever I used to do and I will continue to do it. Are you following social distancing rules as in are you, you know, going out, getting your groceries, maybe going on a hike, doing things you want to do in in public but keeping your safe distance from people and washing your hands regularly and not doing anything or some other version of that going on, which I thought people might explain, but it turns out they, they don't. They just answer that and, and don't explain it. <laughs> Something else. Yeah. Um, and so the numbers we got were, were a little interesting. Uh, I think they're they're pretty good as, as a, you know, a sense of humanity. Self-quarantine was 37.2% of people. Uh, and this was 43 votes, just to let you know. Um People who were out and about living their best life, as they would call it, that was actually zero. So nobody is out being rude and trying to spread this to anyone. Um, being rude. <laughs> yeah, I just totally judged everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I will try to be more. Nobody's out, uh, you know, thinking that this isn't a big deal. Like ignoring, people are taking it seriously. Ignoring the, the social recommendations. Yeah. Recommendations. Um, there's the other category of out, but, you know, following all the social distancing rules, that was 44.2%. And then the something else was 18.6%. But uh, again, I don't know what the fuck something else is. I don't know if that means they're, you know, having sex with cows in their backyard, or I, I really have no clue what something else means at all. Um, but that that means, you know, just looking at this, if I can do quick math, that's like 81.5% of people are 
following at least or taking some kind of responsibility for, right. you know, not spreading this, for trying to improve our situation, you know, lessen the curve as we're talking about and not overwhelm our emergency response system. So I think that's really good that that 80 some percent of the population takes this seriously. I, I'm not trying to judge people who don't. Um, I mean, if you really don't believe this is a thing, if you there are people who legitimately believe this is a government conspiracy of some sort, whether that's yeah. a China attack on us or our attack on China or some kind of attack or a biological warfare. Like All if right. you really believe that, I still don't know how that would affect not. Yeah. You think you'd still be worried about the risk. I mean, I think there's some people <laughs> yeah. that worry that this isn't a real risk, that the, the risk is so low and it's being blown way out of proportion. Mm. I think that's a big part of it right um a lot of people are like oh you know it's like the things you see that like oh if it was you know the regular flu kills way more people and stuff like that that they think you know oh, i'll get the regular flu all the time and i'm fine every year and right. this is just this is just people overreacting to social media gone awry is kind of the what they think it is okay well so yeah i don't i don't i'm gonna do my best not to judge anybody i feel like i do have judgments a little bit about some of this stuff uh but we try to be thorough and not judgmental here that's our goal it's one of the most frustrating things about watching a lot of this social media discourse about this topic is that there is so much judgmental and self-righteousness going on and like that's not attractive and that's not who i think either of us want to be so we're going to do our best to not be um caught up on that so that was our, our twitter numbers we did a similar poll over on facebook now i will say the twitter numbers could be a little misleading like this is generally people in recovery generally people who believe in mental health uh importance in their life you know generally people who it seems along those lines i would say most of the people i interact with on there um probably left leaning to some yeah. extent i have seen some you know, people in recovery who who lean the other way for sure, but it's the majority lean towards, you know, uh, a liberal sort of view. Uh, and so I don't know how that affects the poll whatsoever. Uh, but Facebook, I would say, is definitely not left leaning at all. Um, yeah, that's just more of I, I don't I don't know I don't know what demographic yeah, I want to call it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we asked a similar question with, with the similar. Uh, options and what we got was definitely different so it doesn't give percentages on here i should have figured that out before we started um but it talks about the people who are venturing out but following guidelines had 53 people in their group uh for voting and so compared to the other groups completely sheltering in place it looks like had 16 uh living just like they did three months ago which means they haven't changed anything looks like it has 15 and something else has five. And one of the things I found interesting about this, even though obviously we've said that uh, there is more, you know, people across the board on this version of it, is that people on this poll were not anonymous whatsoever. Uh, And so I feel like it would have been easier to say that it didn't matter like that, I don't care. Uh, I just go out and do whatever. I don't have, you know, people who, I guess there's a fear of judgment in answering that way uh, yeah. a little bit because it seems like there is a lot of judgment towards people who are believing that they can go out and live however. 
And yet these people who weren't anonymous were not afraid to answer that they were going yeah. out and doing whatever. And then, but nobody on Twitter where it was anonymous answered that way. So I thought, I thought that was interesting huh. personally. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. Um, yeah. And for myself, you know, I, I don't know. I think most people, when you say venturing out and following guidelines at this point, the guidelines have been changing so much so fast. Do we even know what the guidelines are? Um, it feels like some places are really trying to follow guidelines and other places Mm -hmm. really aren't. Um, I was at a couple of big box store type places, um, Walmart, you know, which I understand like that's like a grocery store, the grocery stores that I've been to um, trying to get groceries and things. There's definitely way more than 10 people in any of those places. And it's definitely a congestion of people. It's not like, you know, it's a few people and there's a bunch of separation. It is definitely, you know, way over. Like I drove by Walmart yesterday and we didn't go in the store but it looked like a regular Saturday there, judging from the parking lot. Like it legitimately was, you know, packed full of cars, hundreds of cars. I'm sure if I went in the store, I'd know what it was like because I've unfortunately had to go in there on Saturday. Um, my wife and I did venture out to one of the home stores, the big box store, because we thought, hey, we're going to get some things in case we do get a shelter in place order. We'll have some projects and things we can work on around the house, out in the yard, you know, some things. So we went definitely a lot of people in those stores you know again right. way more than the allotted 10 group that's supposed to be a thing um and then you hear these other places restaurants or or other public places that are really more trying to adhere to those rules where it's like they're only allowing 10 people in at a time and things like that and that I think is a microcosm of what most people mean when they say venturing out, but following the guidelines, you know, it's like, well, I'm going out. Like, and I'll just say for myself, like say going to, you know, the home store yesterday was definitely not a necessity. It really wasn't. It could have waited. It's nothing that needs to be done now, but I thought, Oh, I want some projects to work on. If I'm stuck at home, I don't want to be stuck there with nothing to do, you know? Um, might as well get some of this stuff done that I want to do. So I went out to the store. Um, I took hand sanitizer, made sure I washed my hands. You know, I'm, I'm trying to practice good social distancing stuff. Um, so did you leave I, more space in line when you were behind somebody? Uh, I didn't end up having to get behind anybody in line. And okay. I had a giant cart of wood anyway. So uh, by... You would have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> by default, I was feet away from people now i'm curious though what made you do that as opposed to like going online and ordering it and then just having them bring it out and put it in the back of your truck like what would have been the difference there uh do they do that i, I think so I, I mean they do I, delivery I but it's like 75 bucks yeah um, that's a little yeah i, can but see I don't that. know i didn't ever know that was a thing I'm probably for me is. personally if i knew they would do that i would do that because that's <laughs> what we do for our groceries right. the only reason i've went to the grocery store a couple of times this week was because they were out of some things that we ordered and then because of everyone else capitalizing on the online ordering right now you can't get a spot and mm. <laughs> you know it's like you got to try to plan days ahead of time for right. your grocery shopping um because so many people are online ordering right now. But 
you know, this I'm venturing out, but following the rules is is a pretty big uh, category. Yeah, vague (laughs) generality. Like, well, what do you mean by following the rules? Well, I'm just staying a couple more feet away from people. Right. But other than that, I'm doing everything else that I always did. No, absolutely. It could be a little more seriously taken by some than others. I I, I don't doubt that. This is definitely don't consider this a scientific research Hmm. poll. Um, Just to say I did the numbers. That was 89 total uh, people responded on Facebook. And so whereas uh, on Twitter, we had people going out but following guidelines, you know, this vague category we're talking about on Twitter, that was 44% on Facebook. That was almost 60%. So, you know, not too, too much different, a little bit different there. Um, but when you talk about people who were self quarantining on Twitter, that was 37%. And on Facebook, that was only 17%. So that's a pretty big difference there. Um, and in fact, the the other category of living, you know, not taking any precautions basically was 17%. Um, and so really like those two almost are the exact same, you know, when you're talking about people who are taking it so seriously, they're not leaving their house versus people who are not caring and out, you know, playing basketball at the park with 38 people or whatever. Yeah. Like those are the same amount of people doing both of those things. And of course, you know, the, the 5% that are doing something else again. I don't know if they got <laughs> yeah. some weird stuff going on in their backyard or something. I'm not sure exactly what the hell that means. Right. Um, but they're in their survival bunker. <laughs> yeah, they got their salt lick and they're, uh, <laughs> they're getting it on. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess the numbers are different, which I do find interesting. I guess maybe that says something about the, the groups of people that have been gathered uh, in, you know, maybe the different groups, of Twitter and Facebook users. Maybe that says something about people's level of honesty on different places. Normally you expect to get kind of similar numbers, but I, I think all this really leads us, you know, there's a lot of comments on Facebook. Um, Melinda says she's living like she did three months ago, but even then all she did was go to work and go to the store when needed. Uh, and she can't afford to take off work and her work is still open. So she just is doing what she's doing. Um, our friend Erin said she's pretty much sheltering in place, uh, but her and her lovely boyfriend have a, a two-year-old on a feeding tube who's prone to respiratory infections, and so they feel like they really need to play it safe um, to protect him. You know, going down the line, Emmy says she's only going out if she absolutely has to. She's on a modified schedule where she only has to work seven times between now and, and the middle of April, um, so she's taking it pretty seriously. Uh, Stephanie says taking daily walks around a practically deserted area with very little or no other humans around just for exercise. Um, and she works in a school. So now she's just pretty much staying at home. A buddy of mine, Jason, he says he's going out to the golf course because he's a smart ass and he probably was going out to the golf course. And then there was a big discussion, um, about whether the golf course should be closed or parks were closed. And apparently parks around here are still open, but the playgrounds are closed, uh, which is kind of understandable. Molly said she's uh, still working because electricians are essential workers, grocery store and home. Besides that, um, the kids are still in their daycare 
while she's working. That's kind of surprising to me. I didn't. I thought daycares would be shut down. Honestly, I'm a little shocked about that. Do you think there's yeah, like only I, eight kids in the daycare or well, what? Yeah, I thought they would be shut down too. That's I, kind I'm of shocking. Surprised by that. Too. I mean, I guess I'm glad for people that need to be at work uh, and need somewhere to, to drop their kids off. It's just kind of shocking news to me. Uh, good buddy of mine, Pat, said that he's considered essential, but he's only working every other week. And he's shopping with a, as much distancing as possible. And he, um, he does have, uh, and you know, an immune system issue. So he, I guess is a vulnerable population and he's still going to work. So, you know, yeah. you talked about the, uh, aging adult that you saw walk into Chick-fil-A <laughs> yesterday. Uh, you know, yeah. So, so just to tell the story. So we were out yesterday and we stopped at Chick-fil-A and, you know, normally we would do the drive through, but I had a, a large amount of lumber in the back of my truck hanging out the back. And I wasn't sure I would actually fit through the drive through. Mm. So we did the park out front, you know, and even then like my wife went inside, I stayed in the car just so there wasn't two of us. And she went inside and placed the order. And then we brought it back out and ate in the car. Um, and while we're sitting there eating our food, this older couple pulls up. And when I say older, I mean, gray haired, Definitely over 60. If I had to guess, probably 70s, maybe even 80s, you know, elderly. Like they were elderly people, no doubt. And they get out and walk into Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, here I'm trying to modify my whole lifestyle for these people. And what the fuck? You're supposed to be at home. Like, what are you doing? I mean, Chick-fil-A is in no way essential food. (laughs) There's got to be better choices, you know, for your health on so many levels. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just for all those who, I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin your life right now. So just put your earmuffs on if you don't want to hear this. But Chick Fil A is something we consider like the healthy fast food. <laughs> Chick Fil A chicken has 72 ingredients in it, so mm-hmm. it is definitely a processed food that is. I, I might don't not consider be it healthy. I'll tell you that much. I think a lot of people do. A lot, in, in, I know. would definitely bet in this county, a lot of people that's a step up from McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a sure belief there yeah. that Chick Fil A is the healthier of. Well, they have uh, waffle fries. They got to be better than regular fries. Right? Um, it's peanut oil. <laughs> just a, a few more comments on here. Uh, Christine says she hasn't done meetings, which I, I think most people are not doing meetings right now, at least in person. Haven't been to the store because she's been online shopping. Uh, no restaurants or salons. She did go to a friend's house, but she's still got to work. Not really much has changed for her. And, and you know, when she says not much has changed for her, I there is a, definitely a part of me who thinks that a lot of these people, and I, I could be way off on this, and let me not say a lot, that there's definitely people who most of our lives we do nothing but lay around and watch Netflix or, or you know, not leave the house. Yeah. And yet, now that we're on this restriction, it's like, oh, fuck, I better run to the store. I better get out. And it's almost like so contrary to this is how you normally huh, live. Yeah. And now you don't want to be quarantined. And I mean, I just have to be like, I am the opposite. I am always going and doing and there's always stuff going on. And I don't sit at home. So right. for me, this is a big change. Like this is mm. really different. My kids are the same way. They're like. They're going crazy, you know, because we're a busy family. We do a lot of things all the time. We're always, you know, involved in a lot of social activities, a lot of sports, a lot of stuff, Um, which is funny because this reminds me a few weeks ago, you were talking about all these sports and all this stuff. Now you're getting a reprieve. 
So maybe <laughs> I am. And you know, we talked about that last week. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna enjoy not being in the rat race. I have been so fucking busy this week. It is mind really? blowing. I swear to God. I, and really, it's not that I'm I'm learning that it's not that I am that busy. I make myself that busy mm. involved in so many different projects at my house and not anything like putting up a fence like you're talking about, like stupid projects like being online <laughs> and talking about recovery and and you know, talking about the podcast. Like I, I'm just spending a lot of time doing things to the point where I still have a paper due tonight that I've barely started and right. I need to go home and write it because I just I don't want to do any of the important stuff. I want to goof off a lot. Um, Jess said that she lives, you know, her grandma lives with her and she only goes out when she absolutely has to. Uh, Billy had a comment, but you already heard him what he had to say. Nancy works in healthcare, but when she's not at work, she's home. Uh, Lisa's the same, only goes to work to be a nurse. Uh, and then, Michael said, trying to stay normal minus the things that aren't open, which one of the, you know, few comments that was contrary to, it seemed like everybody was kind of talking about staying home more. And he's just saying, you know, "Eh, I'm just kind of trying to keep everything to the norm to the best of my ability. Obviously, there's so many things closed right now. Everything can't be the norm. But uh, what's your take on all this? I mean, this kind of came up because we, we saw a lot of stuff about meetings, right? Yes. Um, there was people talking about uh, <laughs> still trying to have in-person meetings and a couple of the recovery groups on Facebook that we're members of, they're not affiliated with any program. So they're welcome to have their own take on, on life and what is allowed to be posted, but they have pretty much shut down posting any advertisement for in-person meetings. And that's where this whole topic came up. Yeah, so that, I guess, what was interesting was to watch. So I happened to just kind of be on Facebook when all that was kind of going down, when the one particular group posted that that was going to be their policy. And then I kind of watched back and forth the comments of people and then watched all that stuff get deleted right away because people, in my opinion, were making some good, valid points, making some arguments on to possibly why there would be some benefit to keep meetings open Hmm. but because you know and i don't know the admins of the group but it really seemed like had taken a very self-righteous approach to say well this is what we're doing because this is what we think is right and we don't care about any other opinions and to immediately delete those opinions um that sounds an awful lot like our news right now in politics and, and that all that stuff bothers me so The point with a lot of that, you know, for me personally, is I don't know what's right either. I have these own, you know, these same uh, dilemmas in my head. You know what I mean? Should we have our home group? Is it responsible to have our home group? Is it, you know, Mm -hmm. what about the newcomer? What about the person coming out of treatment? What about the person that's, you know, just wants to get clean? Um, should we have someone there? Should we put a note on the door? You know, what do we do with all this? It's very confusing. It's definitely uncharted. We don't have a playbook for this stuff. Um, and what bugged me the most about that, that idea that, well, if you're having, uh, the, and not just the opinion that you should shut down meetings. I understand why some groups might say, Hey, look, we think this is for the best. This is the approach my home group's taken more power to anybody else. It's not that attitude that bothers me. What bothered me was that a lot of folks seem to be calling anyone that thought keeping the doors open 
was an, in any way a good idea that they were self-righteous and self-centered and that they were being totally irresponsible to their community. And I just don't see it as that cut and dry. I think there's some nuances there that we need to be honest about um, and talk about. You know, it's like conversations help people weed through what is the best approach to this as a recovery community. And it was like the self-righteousness on both sides really bugged me. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's an interesting topic, right? Because, okay, I can look at politics and say, why don't we get the full story here? And, and I see people post stuff on Facebook and unfortunately have commented lately a couple of times to try to start discussions, uh, only to find out there's no real discussion to be had because they've already made up their mind and don't want to hear any other information that I might be presenting. Um, but it gets a little trickier because politics I just see as some opinions, right? Oh, this is an opinion about what you think is best. That's great. This to me doesn't feel as much like it's opinionated, I guess. And and that's interesting, right? Cause I, it, I guess it is. Uh, but to me, it's almost like, how can I not have an opinion if I think what you're doing endangers all of us? Right. Like it's not just that, oh, okay, hey, he's being an idiot and going out and getting sick. Fuck him. He'll die. It's like, oh, well, him spreading this is going to continue the spread of this, which is going to overwhelm, you know, emergency rooms and could affect me or my family. Like it's not just that it's going to affect you. It's kind of like a you don't want to wear your seatbelt. Then don't wear your fucking seatbelt. Right. I Cool. Sorry about your luck. If you get right. in an accident, not my problem. This doesn't feel like that. This feels like, man, uh, why can't I have an opinion about how you're living your life when it could very well affect my pursuit of happiness, right? That kind of talks about that in our constitution and amendments and, and all these things we talk about. Hey, it's almost, it's very much like the autonomy of, of the program, right? You can do what you want until it affects other groups as a whole. Like that's, then it becomes a problem. Same with our pursuit of happiness in life. Like, yeah, I can pursue happiness until my happiness becomes chopping up my neighbors. And then there's an issue with that. Right. So where, how do we navigate that? How do we decide that everybody can still do what they want when they might be endangering our life? Well, I don't think having the opinion is the problem. It's the way that you talk to people, the way mm. you treat people, the way you express your opinion. You know, what is, what is your goal and purpose of trying to talk to people you know right. is it just to make yourself feel good about the decisions and actions that you've made is it a self-serving self-righteous approach that you have to stuff um my understanding of you know recovery and character defects and and shortcomings whatever getting into the different ways you look at that um these are assets that are overblown so caring and and having you know, values and, and wanting to help to express those values to my community. Hey, we all have some responsibility here to step up for our community and to try to make some sacrifices. That part's great. When I start insulting you or calling you names or, or making you feel bad about your choices, then it's self-righteousness and it's no longer an asset. Now it's a character defect. Um, that's kind of my understanding of recovery in a nutshell on the, you know, when we get into six and seven. But you know, when you see like, so where there's nuancey stuff, like say, I take, for example, the people coming out of treatment, it, like it or not, there's still people coming out of treatment 
there's people trying to get into recovery houses that can't get into recovery houses. Despite what half the fucking people on Facebook seem to think, and I say half, what I mean is half the people in these groups that have these strong opinions, they think that like the internet and smartphones and unlimited data are just things that everyone has now that, you know, and I challenge them to say, okay, why don't you come on here to Cecil County? I can take you down to the local homeless shelter where they have, you know, dinner every night. And we can talk to some of those people that occasionally come to meetings that are addicts, that a lot of them are in their position because of addiction and ask them how easy it is for them to find a fucking Zoom meeting and set up a Zoom account and and to do all those things. It's a lot harder than you sitting at your fucking house stuck there because and see now I'm getting self-righteous so I get angry. Um, there it it's is. a lot more challenging for those people than it is for you. You know what right. I mean? Not everyone is in your same situation. Not everyone, ha- despite again what you believe, not everyone has a smartphone. Not everyone has unlimited data. Not everyone has, you know. Are there some things they might be able to do? You know, people are like, oh, they could go sit outside of Dunkin' Donuts and use the free Wi-Fi. And yeah, maybe. But when your choices are between I'm trying to get some food, I'm trying to find out where I'm going to sleep later tonight, and I might possibly hit this Zoom meeting, you know, because it starts at this time. You know, those are choices that people have to make. Well, and maybe even as we move further into this uh, quarantine style of life and things are a little closed down, people lose jobs, people lose uh, income. How many people aren't going to be able to afford their phone bill or their Wi-Fi or whatever it is, right? And I'm not trying to speculate or take any side here, but what what do we do with that, right? I I, I hear you. Like, do we have an in-person meeting because that one or two newcomer addicts coming out of treatment this week, uh, you know, might need to get to that in-person meeting to, to get recovery or is that, where's the, the cost benefit, right? It's kind of like the whole, you got the train going down the tracks and, and it's going to kill six people, but you could pull the lever, but on that track, it kills one person, right? Like is, do right. you make that call? Cause you're making a choice to kill one person really. Right. Even though you're saving five others, six others, you're still making a choice. So that kind of becomes the question here. Like, do we keep the doors open to save a newcomer that might want to be at that meeting? Possibly for the fact of spreading something also possibly that could kill hundreds or thousands. Like that becomes the ethical dilemma here. And I think that's maybe the argument people are having. Right. And I think that the problem with the immediately jumping to making decisions that we think are right and then thinking that everyone else needs to agree or see it our way is where that shit becomes dangerous Mm. because we can work out some of the details to try to make some of these decisions in the most uh, healthy, sane, rational way. Like there is a, and this is my take is that you can do both. So, What I thought with my home group, so we typically have, I think, 10 people in my home group as home group members that, you know, between eight and 10 that show up every week on a regular basis, if not more. That's just in the home group members. So my approach this week, since in Maryland we're on a 10 person limit, you know, thing was two of us from the home group would show up. We would meet outside of the facility. We won't even go in. We're not making coffee. We're not handing out readings. We're not doing any of those things. We show up. 
We meet outside. We follow all the social distancing rules. We follow all the current laws in place. But we're there and we're available if someone shows up that needs to talk, that might want to get high that day, that just needs to get out to a meeting, whatever it is. And we try our best to stick, you know, within, again, no hugs, none of that stuff. And, you know, we can accomplish both of those things. You know, we can have the meeting and still follow the guidelines at the same time. I got you. So let's talk a little bit more about that right after this uh, ad for Voices. This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, and so, you know, with us having the meeting, you know, is that the right thing to do? Is that the wrong thing to do? I don't know. And I'm not saying that that is the definite right answer. But what I'm saying is by you insulting me and telling me that I'm selfish because I want to have a meeting definitely isn't, you know, it doesn't even take my concerns and feelings into consideration. It doesn't even take that, you know, I'm not going to that meeting because I think I need the meeting. You know what I mean? I'm going there because all that I've learned through recovery has taught me that there are other suffering addicts out there that might want to use. And, you know, addiction is a life or death thing, especially these days. And that, you know, if I can help one person that helps me, you know, but that's the, that's what my foundation of my recovery is built on. It's not going, well, I only care about me and I'm good because I have people in my network and I have these people, you know, it's to help the people that I don't know that are coming in for the first time. Right. And so I think, uh, I get, I hear you, right. I'm no doubt. I hear you. Um, I think you're portraying that these people are saying that, Hey, you shouldn't have a meeting because I'm good in my house and my zoom meetings. Right. And I don't think that's really the stance that these groups were taking. I'm not saying that's not the comments that some people weren't making, uh, once it started. Cause what happens? You know, we make a rule that we think is in the best interest or, or for whatever reason. And then once there starts to be an argument, then we don't give it. We're just right. pulling we're out just blasting, right? right? We're just fucking whatever I can say to hurt you and demean you is, right. is the answer. Um, so I, I'm i not sure that people were saying, hey, we shouldn't advertise these in-person groups on these Facebook groups because – uh, my recovery is in good standing at a Zoom meeting at my house. I don't think that's the purpose. I think the purpose is similarly to what you're saying, to help somebody else, right? Like these aren't necessarily people who are a vulnerable population or have a vulnerable population that's close to them. They're just people who are saying, hey, I want to help the entire population by not having these you know, risky situations. Do we 
think social distancing will help the spread of this? Absolutely. Do we know that for sure? Not really. Like, I mean, we're sitting here, what, our faces might be five feet apart, but our feet are like two feet apart. And like, I don't know, right? right? Like, honestly, when we talked about meeting up today, I was kind of trying to push towards, hey, let's do this remotely and try this uh, recording from our houses out. And, you know, you weren't, you weren't big on that. And I was like, all right, well, we'll do it this week and then we'll probably be shut down for next week and have to try it. So, yeah. So, um, I just don't know that the rule is being put in. I think the people, it's funny how people are often working towards the same end goal and they just have two different attacks and think theirs is the only right attack, right? Very similar to how do you end uh, mass shootings and gun violence? Uh, One half of the population seems to believe we should have everybody with guns in order to stop it. And the other half thinks take all the guns out. Is there a right? I have no idea, right? But they're both working towards the same goal, and yet they fucking hate each other right. <laughs> at the same time. And I feel like this is the same thing. You're talking about some people want to have an in-person meeting to help the still-suffering addict, and other people want to have or not advertise in-person meetings because they believe it's dangerous to the population as a whole. And it's like both people are trying to care and have concern for others, and yet here we are on Facebook bashing each other over it. Right. And that's really interesting, right? And depending on which side you fall on, you're angry at the other side, and and we start to get, you know, our own self-righteousness, because I surely do at all times. But we take, and, and this is, I get all that. And so I would say then you take the information that you're given, and you make the most educated and logical choice that you can. And so... You know, and following the laws and stuff of the state, you know, we had decided, okay, so if more than 10 people show up, we're going to break off into two separate groups so that we, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's because we're, we're trying, we're not, we don't want to just disregard and be like, oh, fuck it. We want to do whatever we want. Like we respect, you know, and and again, if we go into a shelter in place, then we got a different decision to make next week on what we're going to do. Do you know how arbitrary, (laughs) do you know how arbitrary of a number 10 is though? Like it's fucking pulled out of a back pocket. I do, right. And so, (laughs) and again, but you know, I don't agree with all the laws that are in the fucking government anyway, Right. but my personal uh, opinion of that nowadays is that I'm a law abiding citizen <laughs> that upholds whatever laws the state wants to make. So, I'm just picturing again, <laughs> none of this being, we don't, you know, there's no, we haven't been through this before. We don't have our hard won experience in this right. situation to know what we're fucking supposed to do here. I'm just picturing nine guys all wiping the sweat off their brow. Like, whew, yeah. it was a close call, well, boys. We got, there was nine <laughs> people there and we were waiting to see if someone else showed That's up. Like, hilarious. okay, what do we do? What if two of them get out of the car? You know, like close call. And yeah. And <laughs> so it didn't. So maybe it was God's will that the meeting happened. Cause it was only nine people. Right. So we all stood out there all nine of us. Um, but again, I'm not even saying that was the right or the wrong decision to make. That was just us trying to carry on with our morals and values, what we think our responsibility is to our community and do it in as responsible a way as we could. Again, and it was silly. If you had pulled up there, you thought it was weird. We were all separated out from each other in a big giant circle. We all stood there. We didn't even have chairs or nothing. We all stood there. Right. And everyone was willing to show up there and stand there for an hour to just to talk to each other about recovery. Right. You know, so is that fucking important? I to me it is. 
you know, because I don't know when my disease is going to hit. I don't know if going into Zoom meetings is going to be the same for me. You know, I, I, I'm not saying it won't be. I'm not saying it will be. But I know what happens to people that drift away from meetings and drift away from that personal contact. I've seen that happen quite a bit of time. Right. You know, and now all of a sudden I joined some zoom group that's out of fucking Colorado. Cause they get good speakers every week. And I like that meeting. And then, you know, shit hits the fan in my personal life. And, you know, I can't zoom in cause it's not fucking Thursday at seven o'clock. Oh, they're all day long. You can yeah. Jump right in. <laughs> no, so yeah, I've some different one with some different group and you know, I don't know. It's, no, I, I, so I found it interesting. Cause when you first texted me this, I kind of thought you were on the other side of it. I, I was like, Oh yeah. Billy's talking about how these crazy people want to have meetings. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, talking more to you about it. I, I realized what side, uh, where you were feeling at least at the moment. And look, it's interesting how we can have our opinions. And yet if we witness something, sometimes that even sways our opinion, just seeing how some people are acting or, or, you know, it's kind of like, I'm not a big fan of maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers or something, but fuck, as soon as they're playing the Patriots, I I love them. Right. Because I, I can't stand the other team. Um, so I, it was interesting to, to hear you say that, but I, I do, I got some questions about this. Like, what do you think the right thing to do was? Do you think the groups should not have a had a stance on it? Like, so NA obviously has zero stance on outside issues and is right. not going to tell anybody to have or not have meetings. Um, and I would imagine in turn that, you know, NA area and regional websites are not going to say, hey, we're not posting meetings that are open. Like, they have a list of meetings and that is what it is. They're not going to tell you you can or can't post that right so those websites don't have any bias at all these groups are not affiliated with any particular 12-step program they're just recovery groups you know generalized recovery groups for anybody that considers themselves in recovery in an area do you think those groups shouldn't be allowed to censor what's posted on there as in regards to this um I think there's some danger there, you know, if I had to be honest. I just, Hmm. I think right now we are also and have been in a drug epidemic for a long time. And maybe my view is a little skewed because my wife kind of works in the field and we see, you know, we're connected with people in a small community that are dying on a regular basis. You know, it's all remember this guy, you know, we know that guy, this is a guy Mm -hmm. that's coming to the program a couple times and you're seeing these people just die and die and die. And, you know, and I don't think, I mean, I guess for me personally, like right now to go, Oh, well, all these other people are dying. Yeah. Fucking people are dying all over the place. And again, there are some things that I believe we can do in a responsible way to help minimize our risk to the greater population, but still be available to help these other suffering addicts. I mean, again, I think of people coming out of treatment and people coming out of, you know, recovery houses or trying to find recovery housing. Um, There's people that live in houses with people are using or abuse or all these other things, you know, their problems don't go away. And I don't think their lives are any less valuable than the people that might get, you know, coronavirus or whatever other virus is out there. And so we just try to be available to them, but in a responsible way, 
And so I, I'm not trying to beat this to death, or I'm even sure. though we beat everything to death, uh, <clears throat> or poke too many holes in it. I, I'm hearing you, right? Uh, I don't know the right answer in this either. Um, I kind of lean towards let's play it safer and stay home because I'd rather err on the side of saving lives. And it seems like spreading this right now is more dangerous. I hate to, I'm not trying to rank anything or, or any of that, but it, this seems really crucial right now. Maybe it's just because it's talked about all over the place and they've shut schools down and a lot of works are working from home. Like it seems really, really, really important. It almost seems like the way they've reacted to it, they're not telling us something about it, honestly. Uh, <laughs> it seems like everybody's like, oh, well, it's, you know, if it's just like the flu, why are we shutting down? And that's my question. If this is just like a flu or something, which it's not, by the way. No, it's definitely But why are we shutting all this shit down unless there's something really serious about this? And that's scary to me. Um, and so I want to err on the side of, hey, let's not be a fucking part of that. Um, but I, I say, okay, so the point is, if there's a newcomer coming out of treatment that doesn't really have access to the internet and Zoom, right, maybe they need to get to an in-person meeting. But if that person doesn't have access to the internet and Zoom, then they probably don't have access to the internet and Facebook and wouldn't find that meeting information on these Facebook groups anyway. So what difference does it make if they don't post it or advertise in-person meetings? Like that's not really getting the information to the person who can't get online to the online meeting anyway. So what's the difference? I'm so, I'm, if the person can't get to the Zoom meeting because they don't have the smartphone, they're not going to have the smartphone to look on Facebook to see this group advertised as still being meeting in person. Well, usually when you get out of treatment, they give you a meeting list or you find meetings in your area so right. you know where to go when you get out. of. And so that's the thing. Maybe they go to a meeting one night and it's not there. They go to a meeting the next night and it's not there. I mean, me personally, I hate the idea that Nothing happens. At, I mean, I understand, you know, some of these and it, getting a little ahead of myself. I don't blame anyone for this current situation. Right. I don't. This isn't to, to make anyone feel bad, but it kills me to know that some of these meetings um, and it, it used to bother me before um, where the meetings on a schedule, but nobody's there. No one meets them there. There's no sign on the door. There's no nothing. And you fucking finally make that decision that you're going to get to a meeting. Like, man, I really need some help. I'm really, I'm willing to reach out. And you go to that fucking meeting because it's on the schedule and it ain't happening. And you're the only one sitting there. I mean, I've been in that situation and it is fucking disheartening. Yes. Don't go to Baltimore. You know? Right. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it it's bothers me a lot. And so... You know, a few years back, I got involved in our literature committee, which is responsible for the meeting schedules. And I took that responsibility very seriously of making sure meetings were there, making sure the times were right, making sure the directions were right. If they had moved, make, you know, that that shit is important. Like it matters a lot. And so and it, it occurred to me the other day. So I'm riding home from work and I couldn't figure out why I was so um, why this all bothered me so much. You know why it really was so important to me and I remembered because I had kind of forgot like when I got clean this time I didn't go to treatment or nothing I woke up one day and said my life is a fucking mess I want to kill myself I don't know what to do I'm going to go to these meetings and check it out how'd you know where the meeting was 
I had just fucking remembered over the years. <laughs> well, because so in our case, it was at the local health department and it was on Wednesdays at eight o'clock. And right. I don't know, you know, divine intervention, maybe. I don't know why I remembered that after years. I mean, it had been years since I went to meetings. Right. Um, but I just knew there was a meeting there. And so I went there and that was my first day clean. You know, it was just showing up at a meeting. And in my particular case, so I lived in a house with guys that I used with all the time. There was four of three of us that lived in a house. Um, and, you know, that was the party house where everybody drank and got high every day. And that's what I got clean in my first. I can't remember exactly how long it was, at least a month, maybe a little longer. And so I survived that by going to meetings every day. And at the time, there wasn't Zoom meetings, right. but I don't even know that being on the Internet up in my bedroom while everybody else is downstairs fucking playing music and drinking and partying. I don't know that that would have been enough. You know, it's going to be somebody's story in five it, years. Yeah, I tend to think it would not have been, you know, and the point was what that did for me is a couple of things. One, it pushed me to get out to meetings and to get through that uncomfortable shit because I knew what was going to happen if I stayed there at that house. You know, I knew what was mm. going to happen. But then the other thing was I went to meetings and I talked to people and I said, what are you guys doing? You know, what do you do for fun? Like, I really, I can't go home. I don't want to go back there. Um, and that was just my situation. And then as soon as I had enough money to get out of there, I got out of there and got my own place. Um, and I tried to get into recovery house and there was only one in the area at the time. And I tried to get into it and they wouldn't take me, you know, um, but I stayed clean and I survived it. And live in-person meetings were a big part of that. Right. You know, I don't know if you know, but I know people or I know of people that, you know, live in situations like that. That they live, their parents are getting high, their spouse is getting high. You know, they they need to get out to meetings to get away from that environment as a break for their own sanity and well-being. No, no, I understand. So I, just to go back to uh, what you were saying a minute or two ago, um, I moved early in my recovery. Uh, early, I don't know. I had like four years and I've changed uh, areas. And I tried to go to meetings there. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get established. I went to the meetings that were in the book and this, that and the other. And half of them didn't exist. And it was right. hugely disheartening. And I said, for a guy with four years clean, I'm going to go home and try again tomorrow. What if this was the guy with one day? Right. Right. Bothered the hell out of me. I took it as a personal crusade. Uh, I, I, you know, joined the public information, public relations, whatever it was at the yeah. time. And I was like, hey, we're going to do meeting visits and figure out what meetings exist and what don't. We're going to clean up our act and our schedule. Right. So we attempted that and then we reported to the website committee and then the website committee would not change it very fast in any kind mm -hmm. of hurry. So I was annoyed. So I joined the website committee to try that. That didn't really get done what I was trying to get done. So then I went back to the PR committee and we decided we would make our own area schedule to be the most accurate possible thing available. And we did that for a few years um, before I moved up here. I don't know if they still do it or not, but it was a, a crusade of mine too, right? I, it was very important. Let's have this meeting schedule correct. But what I was trying to ask was like the, the big argument on the Facebook groups was that they weren't going to allow people to advertise whether a group was meeting in person. If people were leaving these treatment centers and got these meeting schedule books, they're just going to show up. Now, granted, most of these meetings are not meeting in person, but the fact that a group was advertising on Facebook that it was, 
even if the, the Facebook group allowed that, it's not going to help this person you're talking about who doesn't have internet access to get on Zoom that's coming out of treatment, right? If they don't have a smartphone, they're not going to see this on Facebook to know whether it's advertised or not. They're just going to show up where the schedule is. And is it sad that those meetings are mostly closed right now? Breaks my heart, for sure. I just don't know that advertising on a Facebook group made any difference. Oh, so to answer, no, I don't think it does either. I, so my, whatever you want to call it, hostility, if beef. you want to call it that. Yeah, beef. my beef isn't necessarily with the Facebook group. They can do whatever they want. I don't, you know, that's fine, whatever. Right. I just, it was... It's not the action. It's the attitude that accompanies mm. the action. You know what right. I mean? The action is just a reflection of the attitude, you know, and, and what I am more concerned about as a recovering person in a recovery community is that it seems like there's a large part of our community that feels like, and this is me paraphrasing in my angry way of like, well, I'm fucking good. I can do what I need to do. Everyone else will just have to figure it out like I did. You know, mm. fuck it. Not my problem. This is just the way it is. And and I that's probably the wrong way. You, I guess you helped me kind of see, well, they're trying to look at the bigger picture too. Right. But, you know, there is a point to this where, like, we all matter and we can do things. Because, okay, just to go back for a minute to my home group, we, as home group members are still talking about doing an online meeting. We that's what we were like, hey, maybe one of us will take up this thing, we'll start an online meeting. And we started a conversation about all that as home group members because we all still like each other. We like to meet, we get along really well, we have a pretty good group. You know, we'll probably make that open, probably do it at the same time, try to let people know about it because we like people to participate in that. But the idea that someone might still show up to that building on Thursday night at eight o'clock for a meeting and that nobody's there because we're all fucking good. We started our Facebook group. We're good. We right. know where we are. We know where to find us. You know, that's that's the part that bugs me more. It's not the groups that decide, you know, they need to start an online meeting or that they can't have an in-person meeting. Like, I get that. I, I and I support those groups. Hey, if you. You know, maybe you're an older person and you don't want to put yourself at risk. And, you know, you're the only one in that home group. Fuck, don't have the meeting. I don't blame right. you. You know, but is there some maybe put a note on the door, maybe talk to the facility. Hey, can I just put a note here for, you know, Tuesday nights and, and just let people know? Um, and maybe not. I know I know in our area, some churches have said we don't even let people on our property. You yeah. Know? And I don't know to what extreme you're supposed to go, but. Again, just to throw up our hands and be like, oh, anybody showing up at all uh, in-person meetings is just totally irresponsible and an asshole. It's like, well, no, <laughs> you know, that's not. <laughs> it's really tough. So there's a, a psychological principle called regression to the mean, right? Which basically means that if you come at me with a very middle of the road opinion, I'm probably going to meet you with a middle of the road opinion. Maybe I'm a little on the other side of the fence, but we're probably going to have a nice casual conversation right down the middle of the road, right? If you come to me way the fuck out in the left field, my response is going to be way the fuck out in right field. And it's just psychology. Right. It's not even like I might not even believe in this right field opinion. It's just that you were so far out there away from the middle that I got to go the other way to make us equal. And I think that's what often happens. And what I see constantly on Facebook is that people have these 
super out there opinions to one side or the other, and then they're just met with the opposite, right? I I don't know this. I'm sure there's people who who meet middle of the road statements with hostility, but very rarely have I posted anything in a curious or or very you know civil tone. Um, and and I try to be really cautious when I write anything that might be controversial on the social media. Like, hey, look, I really just don't understand this. I'm trying to get a better look at it. Can you guys help me a little bit with it? I get much more civil responses. And so I'm just curious, since I didn't see a lot of this interaction on Facebook, to me, I would guess that the opinions that were coming, that were battled back by hostility, were probably self-righteous and hostile to some extent to begin with. It's hard for me to believe that people were on there like, hey, I hear what you guys are saying about not advertising in-person meetings, but you know, these are some things we might want to consider too. And it's just, I hope we all make the best out of the situation. And then somebody was like, ah, you're a fucking dick. Like, I don't, I, it's hard for me to picture. I don't know. You witnessed it. Was that what it was like? Or? Um, I mean, it's, I don't know the nuances of the replies to each comment because you know how facebook works it's Mm -hmm. like there's the main post at the top which is what most people are replying to they're not necessarily replying to the last comment right so i can't say which comments which people were i mean sometimes you can because there'll be a sub comment under another comment right but for the most part it was and, and the one in particular was you know basically a guy said hey i've been doing these you know, I'm very new in recovery. Meetings are critical for me. I've been doing these, you know, little get together meetings at my house, you know, it's mom's house. And my mom is really proud of me. And some other people have said, you know, it's really good that I'm willing to do this. And really the only pushback or anger and hostility that I've gotten has been from other people in recovery. Hmm. That was his, that was his post. It didn't seem to me to be overly aggressive well, or pushing i mean he definitely had a stance he definitely had an opinion well and he threw in the jab at the end What's he, that? he threw in the punch the only pushback i'm getting is from people yes. in recovery and so he and well and that was the question he said i'm curious why if if other people in the community don't see it as such a big thing why is it so you know and then it degraded into right. insults and and it i would say insults maybe not insults but People saying, well, you know, your mom doesn't know anything and you guys are irresponsible and, you know, she, she's irresponsible for letting this even happen. Like stuff like that. Where well, it's just like, I mean, if his mother is not a scientist or part of the CDC or, or the who or, or like if she hasn't gone to school for this and isn't an expert, then she probably doesn't really. But know. again, the very <laughs> there was no question of say how many people are showing up here or what social right. distancing rules are you following are you you know are you being safe and like there was none of that it was immediately jumps to you're irresponsible your mom's irresponsible you don't know anything you don't well, know what you're doing I you're endangering the lives of everyone <laughs> i think you would have done better had he not thrown the jab of oh you recovery people are obviously the ones who are worse than everybody else who isn't questioning me like he he threw recovery people under the bus immediately and put us on defense I'm not, I mean, I wasn't there. I'm not, I wasn't defending myself or anybody else. Like I witness, uh, our spiritual principle practicing recovery people all day, every day on Facebook, spouting some not spiritual stuff at all. (laughs) So I'm not defending us whatsoever. Like we, we got our struggles. I just, 
when you can say things without attacking people, I think you get better responses. True. At I mean, at least he identified himself as a newcomer. And maybe I'm a little uh, more sympathetic to his opinion because it agrees closer with my opinion. Right. Although, again, if he said I got 30 people showing up at my house, I'd probably say, hey, man, that's a little irresponsible. You know what I mean? Regression like to the mean. Right. That's <laughs> that's. But again, I don't need to insult him to say, hey, if you're going to do these things, right. there's some really safe ways. You know, you really need to kind of minimize contact. You need to make sure, you know, because people aren't. It wasn't like he was on there asking for anyone's permission. He wasn't saying, I'm going to stop. And I right. don't think people insulting him made him feel like he should stop. So this kind of goes back to a little bit of like George Carlin when he would talk about you put the baby on board sticker on your car. As in, what responsibility is it for everyone else to watch out for your fucking baby in your car? Right? I don't know. And that's where I question. Like, uh, I look at our our buddies, uh, our couple friend, Erin and Aaron, you know, Aaron and Aaron. And they have a two-year-old who has respiratory vulnerability. And I say... Yeah, they could stay home and that hopefully protects them. But me not spreading this probably also does a better job of protecting them than me not caring. Right. And and we kind of spoke about this before we started recording. We should have recorded that because our first 20 (laughs) minutes here was a little boring. I think what we talked about before we started was better anyway. But we have a spectrum of where we believe our responsibility falls. Right. Um I don't know. I just don't want to contribute, man. I don't want to be a weapon that ends up killing somebody or passing this along to more people who pass it along and, and more people die. Like everybody that's dying is somebody's important person. You know, I can say, oh, it's nobody close to me, but it's somebody's important person. Like how much effort should I put into trying to save important people to somebody? Right. And so, you know, as we talked about earlier, like we, there's always some levels of risk to everything in the world you know let's take you know we talked about driving and think about texting and having a phone in the car and texting and driving oh, don't you know, call me a, out <laughs> that's a dangerous thing that people do we all know it's dangerous people do it all the time yeah. again more people die in car accidents than will probably ever die of this and we know texting and driving is a pretty fucking big killer of people nowadays especially if not a killer definitely leads to lots of accidents problems even cell phones in general conversations on the cell phone everything else does that mean that we all of a sudden go hey you know what the best thing is you're just not allowed to have cell phone in your car at all anymore because it's better for everyone else i mean we would save lives and more people less people would be at risk if no one was just, you're not even just allowed to have a cell phone in your car. Well, here's two birds with one stone. We'll just stop fucking driving and then this shit won't spread as far because it'll be localized because we don't drive anymore. No, I just mean in life in general <laughs> right. after this pandemic. Yeah. After, well, yeah, we'll just stop driving. We'll, well save we all have those to drive No, we, we don't. can't get to work. Yeah. Well, we'll walk. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> we'll okay. work more local. But I'm just saying, you know, that would be a, and let's be honest, leaving your cell phone at home or you know, whatever, let's put it in a fucking lockbox. Who knows? We can go down the list of right. possible scenarios that we can play out to be like, no, you're not allowed to have a cell phone sitting within your reach in a car. We've done it with guns. Well, you got to have a gun in the fucking trunk and the bullets got to be separated and all these other things. We start doing that with cell phones. We'd save hundreds of thousands of lives. Why are we not doing that? Well, people don't listen. I mean, you just make it a law. Uh, drunk drivers still happen. Right. It doesn't matter if it's a law or not. 
people just still don't listen. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if telling people they couldn't have their cell phone would actually stop them from using their cell phone. Right. So, you know, it's a similar thing in this case. Like, what is what is my responsibility? Should I now decide that, well, I know I could save lives by putting my cell phone, you know, I, as just me as an individual. I will say that I don't text and drive. And when I say that, again, with a caveat of occasionally I do it a red light or, you know, a voice to text, right. you know, whatever. I don't actively sit there with my phone in my hands, texting away while I'm driving. I try to be really, really mindful of that. You know, when I'm driving really, really mindful of not fucking with my phone because I realize it's dangerous. Um, you know, and it's the same thing with this. I am doing what I believe is my part. I'm taking responsibility with all the information that I have available. I am, I've used more hand sanitizer in the last two weeks than I've probably ever used in my entire life. You know, I've carried it in my pocket. If I'm going in public places, I use it on my hands before I go in. And then I use it on my hands after I go in just to try to cover both ends of whether I might be spreading it or I might not be spreading, you know. And, you know, back to what I feel is my responsibility, like I am doing what I've believed to be reasonable, responsible actions to try to minimize any danger that I pose to anyone else. You know, could I lock myself in my house and not come out at all and maybe get everything delivered and then hand wash every single item that comes in with Clorox wipes and hand wash, you know, every single thing that goes out of my house with Clorox wipes to make sure no germs? Yes, I could do all those things, you know, but should I? Am I supposed to? Who's responsible? Who's paying for all that shit? I can't even find Clorox wipes right, right. now. You know, I don't use hand sanitizer, so I don't know. Yeah. That, that I'm still baffled by that. I just wash my hands. I'm not a hand sanitizer kind of guy. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, so you're saying you know you do the best you can, and I get that. Um, and you're saying you're going with the information you got from everywhere, and I get that. But like, so. Uh, you know, our, our president on February 28th, like we, we watched him tell the world that this wasn't that big a deal. And, you know, it's just gonna, it's gonna be like a miracle and, and just disappear. Right. Like that's three weeks ago. Now, if we were watching the world news, we knew then that this was a huge deal and it was spreading everywhere. And it was just a matter of time, uh, until it got here. Like, yeah, we postponed it by, closing a border or travel ban or whatever we did we didn't really stop anything or change it it just made it a few months later than it would have been um so going by that information we could say oh well the best information i got is that this is no big deal it's going to be like a miracle and disappear that's what my president just told me or we can go by the information that exists that we know the best thing we could do is try to level this off so that it doesn't overwhelm our system right And I look at that today and say, okay, well, you know, we haven't taken the step yet to say quarantine, shelter in place. Um, We're probably going to. We know this is probably coming. So what's the difference once they say those words out loud Monday at noon, say, and today? Like what I don't understand. Like we do already know that that's the best option and that it's probably coming. So why are we just saying, oh, well, it's not the law yet. So fuck it. Even if it is the better 
thing to do, and we know it's going to be the thing we do. So, and this is my opinion, and I'll say it's research because I was listening to things saying this was coming for a while, and mm-hmm. I don't feel like as a nation we put ourselves in the best position to deal with this. Not no. to get too political, but we didn't. No, you know, we did some things to slow it down. But as I understand this, you know, flatten the curve idea, <clears throat> we're not. It's it's still going to infect a lot of people, yeah. and it's still going to spread across the country in a huge way. Yeah. And what we're doing is slowing it down and and trying right. to minimize the spread over a longer period of time. Yeah. So, you know what? Forget exactly where I was going with that, but you know I am what I feel like is doing my part to minimize the spread of things right now. I cannot stop it. I can't make it go away. Um, If you want to know, honestly, I don't think a shelter in place is going to, I mean, it's going to help, but it's at the end of all of it. I don't know that it's going to help. I don't personally think it's the best course of action. I've read other articles of other countries that have done other things that I think have been a better approach. Right. I think you take, you know, you're most vulnerable, you're most at risk. You focus all these efforts that we're focusing on locking people in place and then dumping billions of dollars into the economy. You take all those efforts and focus them on the most vulnerable, the most at risk, telling all your seniors, look, if you're over, pick whatever age the science says, 50, 60, if you have underlying health conditions, stay the fuck home. We're going to provide services that will deliver everything that you need to your door Everything that you need will be sanitized before we bring it to your door. And we will have community deliveries of everything that you need, whatever you might need. You know, I I just, it's me personally. That's, I think there are better efforts we could do in those areas to reduce the risk to the most vulnerable population. Then what happens is the less vulnerable population all pretty much spreads it and gets it. And you end up with what's called herd immunity which is the virus stops spreading because the vast majority of people in the community have already got it and they can't transmit it anymore. You know, once I'm not contagious, I can't give it to you anymore. It doesn't matter where I go or what I touch or what I do. So if we minimize, you know, if we isolate the most at risk and then let the rest of it sort of run its way through the healthiest of the population, we start, we stop spreading it quite as fast. I will absolutely pass on catching anything on purpose. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. <laughs> well, that no, to... I mean, you're never trying to catch it on. I mean, well, I'm, I don't know if you remember chicken pox. Remember when you were a kid and your parents yeah. would bring you around people? Yeah, the pox. rudest shit they've <laughs> yeah. ever done. Fuck that. Like, right. I But know. that was the idea. I mean, it's the same. It's that idea all over again. Like, look, we just rather you just get this now. Let's get through it. Then we stop spreading it. Then everybody else isn't getting it. You know what I mean? And and that was, it's the same idea as that. It's just a modern version of that. No, thanks. No, right. thanks. I don't think I'd have chosen chicken pox at that time either. It's kind of like when I have the option to choose a flu shot now, I always say no, no, thanks. I don't want to catch it on purpose. Like I get that it's a milder ver. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'll take my right. chances. Uh, I'd rather not have it at all for 20 years, which is the way it's gone for me as far as I know. Um Unless I've caught it and just ain't aware of it, right? I, I no, do not give me anything on purpose. I don't want herd immunity. I don't want to go catch anything. <laughs> so I'm not saying that's a terrible theory. I'm not saying that theory doesn't work. I'm saying 
I would choose against that theory because right. I don't want things, especially then, things I don't understand. And again, this is where these things get nuanced. And and I don't begrudge you your opinion. You know what I mean? Like that's I get it. I understand why you feel that way. I I'm only making whatever decision I know is from what I understand right. of doing my own research from sources that I feel like are reputable that I'll just say aren't Fox News or CNN or right, you know right. somebody that I feel like has a political push one way or the other. You know, mm. I try to seek out people that seem to know something about diseases and how these things work and what's going to happen. Right. And I don't disagree that, you know, flatten the curve. I mean, that's definitely a good strategy. I mean, that's that's not a horrible strategy. I just the aggressiveness and the putting all our eggs in that basket, I think, is going to not be the best in the long run. Right. I, I'm really, I mean, I, I'm, you know, and we talked about this a little, just I'm starting to get really angry at the, what seems to me is everybody wanting to look at half the story, right? I feel like every news station that people watch is half the news and it just continues to harp on one side of it and never display the other side. And it's super frustrating for me. Like, it's super frustrating for for one channel that constantly says, "Man, it's a our president's so amazing. He put this travel ban in place early, and he's taking this thing so seriously. And now he's you know going to back sending checks out to people, and they just keep saying this over and over and again. But they never recognize that like our leader uh, made a lot of people feel like this wasn't a big deal when he said it was going to disappear like a miracle, right? Or they never mentioned that he got rid of the pandemic team in the White House a year ago or two years ago at this point that might have seen this coming and been a little more prepared for it. And and on the other side of that, right, the other channels are talking about his failures and his, you know, Trump has he was talking about this was a miracle and making a joke out of it and calling it a, a democratic, you know, hoax to to ruin his presidency. And they're not acknowledging the things he has stepped up and done. Right? He right. stepped up and said, "Hey, all you state uh, licensing boards that have to do with telehealth and teletherapy, you need to cut these rules out that don't let people in Maryland see people who live in Delaware. Like that doesn't make any sense when they've already been coming to your clinic." And now they can't come over to your clinic because you're doing telehealth. You need to like cut this dumb shit out. Right. That's a great thing he did, right? The the steps he's taking now seem to be much more in line with taking this serious. And but you'll never hear that acknowledged on any of these right. channels that just want to bash him and point out what he's done wrong. And I just why does anybody want half the fucking story is driving me mad, right? And that seems to be where we're at with a whole lot of things. But what I saw in this poll that we took on Facebook. 60% of people are in this vague middle area that we talked about of like venturing out, trying to be responsible, trying to socially distance. And then we saw the extremes. You know, we saw the 18% who were sheltering in place and the 17% who were, you know, I'm living my best life. I'm going to the beach and drinking <laughs> right. whatever they're right. doing. Right. And so maybe it's just these loud, uh, polarized positions that we're hearing because the 60% of people are just doing their best and not talking about the position they stand in or hold in politics or in, you know, quarantine stance or any of that. Maybe we're just only hearing the loudest voices that happen to be the ones screaming from the rooftop about one poll or the other. 
Yeah, I tend to think that's very much, you know, I listened to a thing recently about politics and how they're getting more extremes to either end. And and there's a lot of research into why Um, I'm not going to get into it now. But yes, that is that is just it. It's like the loudest of the bunch seems to get the most noise. And what happens to the people in the middle is you're almost forced to to pick a side. You know, I tend to think most of the country is somewhere in the middle. Most of the country, you know, doesn't necessarily fall all on one extreme or all on the other. But you're stuck picking one of the two extremes come election time. Yeah, because that's your only two choices. Right. And I I think you're right. That is frustrating. I'm feeling like I'm hoarded into one of these two groups that I don't want to be a part of at all. Right. But I, I, I'm so offended by some things, I guess. Uh, maybe I'm thin skinned or a pussy or whatever you would want to call me. But I get so bothered by some of this behavior that is stuff that I would like punish my children for. Right. And, you know, my, my right. kindergartner is not allowed to make up nicknames and, right. and name calling right. and insults. And- so I wouldn't let him do that. So I'm kind of offended by that. Right. And, and I don't want him watching, you know, uh, the world leader uh, do that to other people. And so I'm kind of pigeonholed into choosing this other side, which isn't really the side I want to fucking be on. Right. right? I don't agree with them either. hundred percent. I don't. Right? And and it's just frustrating that I feel like I, I'm left without options. Um, and that I feel like now I have to be on it. I don't want to be on a side at all. Uh, I don't like the world we're moving into where I feel like I need to take a side. And that's kind of, Maybe that ties into what we're talking about, like feeling like we need to take a side in quarantine. I don't know what the right thing is. I'm with you. I I canceled my therapy appointment this week. I canceled an acupuncture appointment. Like those people were both open. I was kind of surprised. Um, you know, my counseling center, we're only seeing people in teletherapy right now. And so I, I was kind of shocked that other people were still having people into their homes and, and into their businesses. And I, I canceled them. I'm like, I'm trying to play it safe. And yet here I am, I'm out here. I mean, Friday I, I turned 40 and we went out to Longhorn and of course we didn't eat in. We ate in the, in the minivan, you know, yeah. a altered birthday dinner, but we still went and grabbed the food off the counter that somebody had just set there by the same handles and right. I didn't sanitize it. Like we went out in the car and ate that steak and <laughs> right. So I, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing either. Like, I, I really don't. I, I guess I'm doing the somewhere in between not sure <laughs> shuffle. Yeah, right. And and I think that's realistic for most people. I mean, again, we should try to be responsible at our community to some level. I mean, we don't just, you know, run around sick and spread germs. and But, you know, we, I guess, have to live, which, you know, I don't know. It, isn't it... Like jail and self-isolation, that's pretty unhealthy for people, you know, mentally. And It is. I don't know if, if most people believe that half the information they're getting uh, is accurate or correct or, you know, it's if it's real, you can really trust what they're saying because we are so suspect of the media and our president and depending on, you know, which network you listen to, they all kind of have a little bit of a different take on it. Um yeah, it's, it's confusing. So I did think of something else that was kind of funny to take us off of this topic just a little bit, although it's still about coronavirus. But I thought, you know, Jen and I were driving home last night and I said, if you were a person that like if they said your chances of getting it at 80 percent, wouldn't you be better off to get it like right now? Because right now, you know, let's say just right here in Cecil County. 
Apparently there are no cases. No one's dying from it. And you could probably go into Elkton Hospital there or whatever they're called now. They just changed ownership um, and get top-notch care from there already. Everybody's fired up. The fucking Corona, you know, team <laughs> is ready to go and everybody, all the resources are there. Right. Or at least we're told they're there. I don't I hope they're there. Um, but what's that going to look like in two months from now? When it's not as exciting? It's not new enough? No, when the hospital's overwhelmed, when they got Mm. 55 cases in there and there's not that many ventilators. And now we got to, you know, sort of make some decisions on, well, they might be all right without a ventilator. Let's, you know, when you start doing like the triage type stuff, like you don't want to get fucking sick then because then your level of care is going to get in the hospitals. Everybody's been working in there, you know, seven days a week. So 20 uh, hours a day, like, <laughs> like if you're unhealthy, you're better off to get it now than later. It's just my opinion. I thought that's, you know. Okay. So one of us has to go get it. Cause we're going to get interviewed. We're going <laughs> to yeah, be able to talk right. about it. We can advertise right. the podcast, Billy. Yeah, come on, go, go catch this. Oh, I quick. just think for the level of care, like say once, you know, whatever level of care, you're going to get 15 minutes, right? Yeah, you're going to get 15 get minutes to advertise recovery. If you don't sort die, of. I mean, you hope you don't die. It really right. kills men more than women, they're saying now, which... I, I have concerns about my respiratory health, personally. I don't have any uh, particular thing that I've been diagnosed with, but I do have some particular concerns about my ability to breathe at different points in time, and I don't know uh-huh. if that's anxiety or men in my family struggle with lung health or what, but... It, it's a little scary for me, honestly. I, I don't think it would kill me, but who the fuck? I don't fucking know. I mean, I've heard reports that people who didn't have underlying conditions are starting to have some issues here and there. Uh, few and far between, but it's like, uh, do we really know what we think we know? Like, I, I doubt it. We've only had, what, four months to study this <laughs> at yeah, all? Right. Like, What do we even know about it? Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't think we know what we think we know. Um we're given some best practice guidelines. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. There was a guy on news this morning showing graphs and he had images of cells that he said were the coronavirus cells and how they hook into lungs. And I was right. fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the things I would say, we talked earlier, you mentioned that uh, online Zoom meetings aren't quite the same as in person and, and, you know, linking up with people online isn't the same. I will agree. It's definitely not the same but I won't say it's worse either. Um, I particularly don't like phones. I don't like video chats. I, it drives me crazy. My daughters, that's like the world they grew up in. They'll walk around the house. I'm in the goddamn kitchen, like picking my nose, uh, making you know a sandwich or something. And they got a, their friend on video chat walking through the house. And I'm like, hello, privacy. Like, right. I don't want to be on broadcast right now. Right. Um but what I've found is in this past week when I've had to be, you know, confined to my house and on these video conferences with people from work and doing video therapy with people, I've kind of enjoyed it. And I, mm. it's almost like I've been sold this this belief that the Internet's going to connect us all. And I've never felt that not once in my life. Social media has completely failed me in that direction. And yet for once today, I feel that. I feel like the internet today has connected me and I am super impressed by it. Is it the same? Absolutely not. Is it better or worse? I don't have that answer, but I am just hugely impressed that for once it's living up to its billing of being able to connect me to the rest of humanity. 
Yeah, that's pretty. I mean, it's pretty fascinating to think where we've come with most of that stuff. Yeah. Um, what I when I think of it, just my personal relationship to technology, like I've always been fascinated by it. I started getting involved with computers when I was, you know, really young. They first started coming out in the late 80s, early 90s. I had computers and was taking them apart and learning about the parts and messing with stuff. And, you know, so I've always been fascinated by technology. What I've found, again, for me personally is like I tried to do online college. I struggled with it. Mm. I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? I didn't do well at it. I, I, whether it's, you know, my lack of attention, my lack of discipline, I don't know what it is. Um, I find that I will do the same thing with phone calls sometimes. I'll be on the phone talking to somebody 15, 20 minutes in. I almost need to say, uh, what? Can you just repeat what you just said? Because I was for the last 15 or 20 minutes. Walking through my house, making a so you know, making a right. drink or, you know, get myself a coffee and I saw that the dishes were dirty and got mad at the kids and now whatever you just fucking said was nothing. And so, you know, those are just been areas that me as an individual have struggled with. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely see how for some people that can be an issue. And for other people, it's not, you know, we aren't all the same. We don't all, you know, it's not a one size fits all life. You know? right, <laughs> like, right. And so for some people, you know, online meetings, I'm sure are great. And they may even decide, Hey, I don't even need to go to those fucking meetings anymore. I got family at home. I don't even have to leave. I can just jump on right at the time of the meeting, jump right off at the time of the meeting, get in what I need to get. It's great. It's brand new things. It's going to make my life even better. And to them, I say, wonderful. You know, that's amazing. Um, I'm glad you found that tool. I'm glad it's there for you. It should be. We need more resources, if anything, not less. Um, But that doesn't mean it's it's okay to dismiss or diminish or, or put down someone else's need for those things or to say, Oh, you don't really need that. I know what you need. You don't really need that. You need what Mm -hmm. I think you need. And this works for me. So it should obviously work for you just the same. Like, as we've talked about before, that's not the way any of this works, you know, it's not the way life works. It's not the way recovery works. It's not, you know, if you eat the same food as I do, you don't necessarily get the same outcome that I get. You know, it's just that's not the way things work. And to help individuals be themselves, maybe through some encouragement, maybe through some support, maybe through some, you know, dialogue um, is way more helpful than just self-righteously shaming you into thinking that you're wrong because you don't agree with my way of looking at stuff. You hear a lot, at least it seems a lot there. You know, just to get back to the political stuff for a minute, it seems like, you know, the Democrats are giving the Republicans some credit in the at least in public. You know, I don't know what media is doing because I don't watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox. I don't watch any of those. Um, I just know that it sounds like, you know, even the president has come out and said it's been a bipartisan effort. You know, the leaders of the Democratic Party have done some things, which is great. Like those are the types of things that I would like to see more of. Um, I would just think is people in communities, you keep hearing these great stories. And as a recovery community, you hope we would be doing the same things. How do we build each other up? How do we support each other? How do we keep, you know, a consistent message? Maybe we can find some middle ground of, you know, where we can make sure that people that are looking for resources can find them um, more than just going, well, I'm home and my thing with my Zoom group and I'm good. 
you know, right. Maybe there's some little things we can do to meet each other in the middle somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a tough time to navigate. It's tough mm-hmm. to navigate what's right. What's right for the whole, what's right for the most, uh, always, again, I hate to go back to that one ethical question of the train and, and, you know, do you pull the switch, but really do you, do you cause the death of one person, uh, over the death of the six that's going to happen if you do nothing. And it's like, I don't have those answers, right? I don't want to be responsible for that one person dying. And I also don't want to be responsible for doing nothing when I could have saved six people. And I don't have any clue what the right thing to do. And I think that's where a lot of us are, is just really uncertain of what to do. I'm trying my best to err on the side of cautiously. Hopefully this is useful and helpful and, and keeps people from, you know, further injury or death um, by me doing my best to err to the side of maybe not doing what I normally do. I do think in general, I tend to be entitled and, and want what I want when I want it. And I'm trying to just err on the side of not doing that for the most part. Um, Mm. It, you know, it's causing a little depression for me doing nothing around my house. It's causing me to be feel like not doing anything at all. Um, But that's, I think part of what comes along with this. And hopefully I can feel like part of the solution in the end. Yeah, I don't know that I feel like I'm part of the solution, but I'm doing what I can. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we'd love to hear your opinions. Maybe one of these weeks we'll talk about um, what is going to change after this. I'm kind of a little curious about that topic, how this changes the world after it ends um, for good, for bad, for indifferent. So get your thoughts together on that. Maybe send them in to us and we'll talk again soon. That wraps up this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your preferred platform. If you have ideas for topics you'd like us to talk about or just want to add an opinion, contact us through Anchor, email us at recoverysortof at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at recoverysortof.